Wrestling with the Basics is made possible in part by a generous gift from the Set Apart to Serve, the Church Work Recruitment Initiative of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Many church workers always knew they wanted to serve in Christ's church, but many pastors, teachers, and other full-time church workers left careers to pursue this life of service. If you or a friend have been praying or thinking about a second career as a church worker, the Set Apart to Serve team wants to help. Visit kfuo.org slash SAS. That's kfuo.org slash SAS. And now on with our show. We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. Jolly John Lekomsky, and I'm coming to you from Northfield, Minnesota. And I'm Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark, coming to you from, uh, beautiful as always, St. Louis, Missouri, where I serve as pastor at Ascension Lutheran Church. And this is uh, Wrestling with the Basics, and for the first time in our some 20 years of history, we have we have a sponsor, Matt. <laughs> I, I know. Uh, yes, set apart to serve. Pretty neat, John. Underwriter, a sponsor. Very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, and and you were as we were talking about this before we started recording. What were they thinking? <laughs> That's yeah, what you yeah. said. <laughs> <laughs> Have they listened to wrestling with the basics? <laughs> so, <laughs> is this what so, we want future church workers hearing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that you have to really wonder about that. But uh, on the other end, it's almost unnatural because you and I are perfect examples. Uh, no, we we weren't second career people. That that's who they're appealing to, and and by golly, we need we need all the passions we can get right now. I am surrounded by vacancies up here in Minnesota. I'm constantly getting phone calls. Can you come and can you preach for us? And and so many churches have been calling for for years, and they're 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 having trouble. So we we the the, the harvest is plentiful. I'll tell you that, Matt. Uh, and we need to pray to the Lord of the harvest. But but I I've loved mine. I've, I've spent my whole life being a pastor. I, I love it. How, how about you, Matt? Yeah, and I would just uh, second that, John, and also include, uh, boy, uh, pastors, but also principals, teachers, oh, yeah. other professional church workers as well. We are blessed to have a Lutheran school connected to our ministry here, Ascension Word of Life, a school, and it yes, <laughs> defined, qualified, called Lutheran teachers. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, so, yeah, uh, like you said, John, what a joy to be in ministry. I've, that's, you know, I've, I've been very blessed as a pastor to have the joy of full-time church work and to, to focus on things like wrestling with the basics where we share the Word and to be engaged in the Scriptures on a daily basis and to be able to share that with others. Uh, what a joy. Uh, not, you know, challenges with ministry, no doubt about it, uh, but uh, the joys are numerous. And uh, yeah, let's do that. Like you said, John, pray to the Lord of harvest. Uh, pray to the Lord that he would raise up new workers for the harvest field. And again, if, if God's placed that on your heart, if you're considering that, uh, please do. Uh, visit that website. Uh, yeah, so KFUO. again, that, that's kfuo.org slash S-A-S, uh, kfuo.org slash 
SAS, and, and that's a freebie. We're not going to charge them for that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that one, we're giving that one for free. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah, it's a good gig. It really is a good gig. The ministry is, is just, uh, like you said, a thing of joy. Uh, we are doing the Psalms for the summer or something like that. I, I, and apparently I, I've met two other churches that are also doing Psalm series. So it must be the summer for Psalms. Uh, and and before we begin, because we're going to do, what psalm are we doing today, Matt? Well, let's, uh, we're going to focus on Psalm 8. All right, psalm so people, 8. you can open your Bibles if you're not listening to us in the car. Uh, if you are listening, please don't. <laughs> Keep your hands on the wheel. Um, but be, I just wanted to say something before we begin, just in general about psalms that, that you've helped me see. Uh, I, I always knew, Matt, that when you're going to study the psalms, you've got to find Jesus. Uh, Christ says, you know, the, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have life, and they are that which write about me. Uh, and and uh, so when you do the Psalms, see if you can't find Jesus in there somewhere. And you've got a great Psalm today for finding Jesus. Um, in fact, we'll put in a plug for Concordia Publishing House, uh, you know, because they, they've issued an edition of Luther's works. And just go online and, and look for Luther's works on the Psalms. In fact, you used some Lutheran uh, Concordia commentaries about the Psalms, didn't you, in, in your preparation? Oh, yeah, you bet. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Psalms 1 through 50, there's a commentary out on those. So, so get, get those, and, and Luther's works especially, because he finds Jesus all over the place. In fact, sometimes I'm thinking, I don't think that's about Jesus, Luther. But, but well, whatever. <laughs> Good for you. You found him there. Even maybe he isn't there. Uh, but, but here's the other thing I realized. Man, you really, really have to have the New Testament to understand the Psalms completely, because uh, some of the Psalms that we've talked about, could easily be misunderstood, and, and you, you really have to have the New Testament that is interpreting these psalms, because you, you started us with Psalm 1, which I could see a Pharisee, a Pharisee could easily say that psalm with all of its talk about being separate from the sinners and the wicked, um, and yet you go to the New Testament, and, and I remember that one verse, Matt, about the sinners will not stand in the congregation, it says, and, and then you go to the New Testament, and you understand what that means. No, sinners don't stand in the congregation, but they're there. They're kneeling. They're crying out, Lord, have mercy on me, uh, the sinner, you know. Uh, but see, you wouldn't understand that if, if you hadn't had the New Testament to reflect on that. And then, then what was the psalm that had the, the, the rage of the nations? Was that two? Or oh, that yeah, was... Psalm 2, the nations rage, yeah, you know, and complain against the Lord, yeah. And then you've got this verse about, well, he's going to take the rod and he's going to shatter them. Uh, and you were talking about uh, the the, uh, um, uh, the anointing of the, the king in England. And, and I realize how often has that psalm been misused by governments who are saying, well, that's what we're doing. We're going to conquer these nations, conquer these heathens, and we'll bring them Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to shatter them with a rod. When, of course, when you get to the New Testament, you understand that's not what it's talking about at all. No, no one comes to Christianity by force or power or sword. The only way you, you make Christians is by the word. <laughs> no one will be a believer by force or power. And yet how that psalm has probably been used as an excuse by England, by Spain, by even the United States to, again, uh, you know, to, to advocate for our expansion and our imperialism because we're, we're conquering the heathens. Um, where, of course, what the, what the Scripture really teaches, Matt, 
is that Christianity only flourishes from a uh, situation of weakness, uh, right? Remember what Mary says in, in her song? Uh, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He's lifted up the poor and, and set the rich aside. Um, so let, let's, I just, we need to remember that, okay? Because uh, it's easy to look at the Psalms and say, oh, well, this is advocating all, but but the only way the church will ever grow is not because it's mighty and powerful, not because we're a Christian nation, uh, but the only way it will grow is by things like what we're doing, by preaching the gospel of God's love and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Uh, and I hope we remember that, that Christianity doesn't flourish when it's powerful. If you look throughout history, Christianity flourishes from weakness. That's that's when Christianity really starts to grow and expand. So, well, anyway, there is yeah. my opinion for today, Matt. Oh, no, that's uh, good, John. You know, like Psalm 2, uh, verse 4, when the Lord looks upon the, the nations and they're plotting and they're, they're, they think that they're in power and control, the Lord laughs. <laughs> that's yes, what he does yeah. from heaven, you know, because he knows he's the one in control. They're not, uh, no matter who the nations are, right? Uh, in any time, in any place. The Lord is the one who's over all things. And and you're right. Uh, Christianity has grown under persecution and at times of weakness uh, until until finally then Christ's return. And then yeah. guess what? Yeah, there will be glory. There will be, uh, his, his power will be manifest for all to see in the last day. Uh, but until then, yeah, it is the way of the cross, isn't it, John, as we, as we share the cross of Christ with others. And and it's interesting you you said what you just said about about the the coming glory, uh, because see the thing is uh, that Psalm Psalm two is actually about leaders who stop the gospel from being preached. In fact, that's how the New Testament uses it. Right, the the Jewish leaders have commanded the disciples not to preach Jesus Christ. And then you know Peter says, "Here's this is exactly what David was talking about." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and right now there are countries in in India, uh, China, uh, a lot of the Arab countries uh, um, that will not allow the gospel to be preached. But trust me, those kingdoms will all come to an end. They, they, they will, all right? Because that's happened before, that there have been nations that wouldn't allow the gospel to be preached, and they're all gone now. They're all gone, right? The, the, the Roman Empire that persecuted Christians, you don't hear about them anymore, do you? Uh, it, it may not happen in our lifetime, but sooner or later, those, those places where the gospel is not allowed to be preached, those kingdoms will be crushed. They will be. And the gospel will be preached in those areas because that's what God said. His word is going to be preached to the ends of the earth, to all nations, and nobody's going to stop that. But see, here's what strikes me, what, what we don't realize is probably when that's done, when those nations out there that do not allow the gospel to be preached, when, when, when they finally fall and the gospel will go into those lands, as it will, that probably will be the end, Matt. Maybe, that, maybe that's why it hasn't happened yet because it isn't time for the end. Because I really expect when those communist nations, those uh, Muslim nations, when they finally allow the gospel to be preached, and I, I think that maybe will be the end of the world. You think? Well, I don't know. Now I'm getting to be kind of a Nostradamusy kind of guy. And we, we don't want to <laughs> All I can that. say is, come Lord Jesus. Yes. Um, yeah. And until he comes, uh, God's being patient so that we have time uh, to do just that, to continue to share the gospel uh, far and wide. Uh, so that's that's what we've got to do. That's our job. That's that's what we know is go and make disciples of all nations uh, as long as we have the time to do it. 
And, and that's why we are supportive of the whole SAS thing again, if I could just throw that in there, because that's what that's all about. It isn't about power. It isn't about being in control. Pastors are not about being the guy who's the boss. But it is having the opportunity to just do that, to let people know about God's love and forgiveness in Jesus. And by golly, maybe we need to get to the psalm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Matt, for getting us no, off track. Okay. No, no, good discussion. Yeah, so, so Psalm 8. Psalm 8 uh, is a psalm of, and, and again, we're looking at different types of psalms. It's a psalm of creation, a psalm of creation. So there's a number of psalms that talk about creation and just look at, again, kind of that same theme, John, that that the God is Lord. He is the creator, the maker of the heavens and the earth, and what the implications are, of, are uh, for us because of that. So you mentioned um, the, the Concordia commentary on the book of Psalms. So uh, Dr. Tim Seleska wrote that, uh, Psalms 1 through 50, great resource. Uh, but I just wanted to share a little of, of what he says concerning um, creation. All right, John. So here we go. Um, uh, Seleske points out that um, in the Septuagint, okay, so that's the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, uh, in the very first verse of the Bible, okay, Genesis 1.1, uh, it, it says, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Right. Uh, but the Greek word that's used in the Septuagint for created, God created the heavens and the earth, or create creator of heavens and earth, that word can also be translated as poet. As oh, poet. really? Isn't that interesting? That is. Uh, a a, a poison um, can tra be translated as poet as well. So uh, he advocates for, you know, you could even say something like, in the beginning, you know, God uh, was the poet of heavens and earth. Uh, or the Apostles' Creed is us. Uh, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the, the poet of ah. heaven and earth. Um, and I think that's a neat picture. I, I don't think that we typically think of God as a poet, right? At least I yeah. don't. Uh, but, you know, I think that's a, a beautiful way of thinking about creation itself. Because God is poet, it really points to, one, it points to God's creativity, I think. And when you look at the world around us, and as Psalm 8 is going to point out, I mean, God's crea creativeness is off the charts, right? I mean, just the way in which the plants and the animals and sunsets and mountains are designed, the way God created them. Wow, the creativity that our Lord has is amazing. Uh, and things still being discovered in the world around us, in the depths of the sea and in outer space. And we, we are just beginning to see, in some respects, the creativeness of God. So yeah, God as poet, I think, points to his creativity, but God as poet, I think, also points to the, the power in God's word, right? So when he says, you know, uh, let there be light, you know, that powerful, poetic, creative word has power. There is light. Um, so God's word is, is poetic, creative, no doubt about that, but also there's power in the words of God, too, um, in that spoken word that then creates this beautiful a poem of creation itself. So I, I think that's kind of a neat picture, John, is, is God is poet. Yeah, and I, I, I really do like that idea uh, because of the, the idea of poet as one who works with the word. Because uh, you're right, that that's the cool thing. God talks, and, and his poetry is different than ours because his poetry actually causes whatever he says yeah. to happen. Yes, 
Exactly, exactly. Speaks it into being. So I think with, with that in mind, then, let's uh, go ahead and get into Psalm 8 and listen for just the, the poetic way now in which the psalm writer describes creation itself, God's role as creator, and then what our role is in that creation. So how far would you like me well, to Well, let's, uh, let's get into, how about verses 1 and 2? Okay. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. Yeah. So, I mean, you can almost, you know, picture the psalm writer, and David is the, the psalm writer in this case, just in awe of creation, um, you know, looking out at the night sky, um, you know, again, enjoying the sunset, um, just looking out at the vastness of creation, or maybe just the, the smallness of creation, you know, the intricate details and just a, a single flower. And what that does then is this prompts David to, to praise the Lord. <laughs> How majestic is your name in all the earth, uh, setting his glory above the heavens. And then I love that out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength uh, because of your foes. You know, this, this picture that, yeah, the, the vastness of creation causes us to praise the Lord, but also even just in the, 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 the infant and the child. Um, God's glory is revealed there too. You know, something that, that's simple as just a young child also proclaims the greatness of God. Um, and I think too, you know, ultimately when we think of, uh, you know, infants and babes like this, we think of, well, the, the main infant, right? We think of Jesus' incarnation, uh, how God himself then enters into this creation that he made and becomes becomes man, becomes a child, an infant, uh, born of Mary. Uh, how God enters into that creation then for our sake. Um, so his care for creation doesn't stop at creation itself. No, he still cares for it today. And we see that, you know, boy, so clearly and primarily in sending his son Jesus into that creation. So, so Luther comments on that, that verse about out of the mouth yeah. of babes and infants, uh, and, and he actually uses it to, to establish what we talked about earlier uh, in this episode, the fact that it's the word, it's the word that really uh, changes people and accomplishes things, uh, uh, even out of the mouth of a babe. The, the, if it was the word about Jesus and his forgiveness, that, that would have greater strength than any foe that would be out there. Uh, and so it's the same thing again. It's, it's not the powerful, it's not the strong, it's not the guy who's got the nuclear bomb. I mean, he can he can accomplish a lot of terrible things, but in terms of making believers, no. But it's just a simple word, even from the most, the smallest and, and the weakest of people. So again, there's that image of the, the word being powerful, not not men. Um, so yeah, and, and this whole business about the incarnation, I, I have a comment about that, but I want to wait a little bit until we okay. get further on, uh, okay. because that's... That's the question. Who's really being talked about in Psalm 8? Is, is it us or is it somebody else? Uh, but the other thing, well, no, I'll save the other comment too. Because I'm thinking, well, no, I'll just save that when, when, for the next few verses. So. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. A teaser. All right. You know, okay, and I, yeah. I think the, the only. The other thing I would say is just, you know, I think anyone can stand in awe of, awe of creation, right? Anyone can enjoy a yeah. sunset, anyone can look at the stars. But for us, who, who, who know who's behind it, that we know that there's a God behind this, a God of power and creativity, a God of love even, 
boy, that makes it that much more amazing. You know, I, I pity people that, that don't think or believe that there's a God behind all of this. You know, we know there is. And because of that, I think that, for me at least, yeah, it makes the Starry Night that much more beautiful to know that, yeah, God put it there, uh, and that same God loves me. Um, I, I think that's, oh boy, to know there's a creator behind all this makes it that much more special. All right, so well, let's what, read. Yeah. Go ahead. What verses would you like? Go oh, about verses three and four. Okay. Uh, when I look at your heavens, uh, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you, you care for him? Um, and, and so I, I wanted to wait until those verses, because you were talking about how marvelous and complicated and, and well, what a poet he is uh, in terms of the creation that's around us. And, and what tickles me is that, that there, are, there are the pseudoscientists, and I call them pseudoscientists because a true scientist knows that he really can't speak about theology. That that's not his uh, frame of reference. He, he talks about what he can observe, what he can study, and, and he can make some really profound conclusions about that. Although, again, the true scientist says, well, this is a theory. We have to test it. That's what scientists do. We test things. You know, we come up with theories. Uh, the pseudoscientists, of course, are always taking scientific knowledge and trying to use it in some way to undermine uh, the Word of God, undermine Christianity. We're back to the nations that rage again. Uh, and, and the thing is, is you'll, you'll hear people talk about how great uh, the, the universe is. And, and, and it is. It's just, it blows your minds. It, it, think about it, Matt. There are more stars in the sky than there are grains of sand on the seashore. Incredible. <laughs> that, that's incredible. incredible. Uh, you go to the Creation Museum, and they've got this thing about the stars, and it just blows you away. You have no idea how minuscule, how insignificant, how how teeny tiny in the universe the earth is. And that makes you and me, because we're really teeny tiny on the earth. And they say, well, there you go. That that proves it. There can't be a God. Uh, and yet, like you said, no, it's not like these people didn't understand that. See, that's the argument. Oh, these ignorant people. They, didn't, they weren't scientists. But David says, no, I look at the heavens. I marvel at this. And they probably could see a lot more stars than we could see today with all of our, our uh, uh, light uh, uh, pollution. Uh, and they know it's big, they, and they know that they're small and tiny because they can't fly to the other side of the world, and they can't uh, do a radio show that people can hear all over creation. You know, they, uh, But see, they don't conclude from that that there isn't a God. It, it's like you said, David concludes from that, wow, God must really love us. We must be really special if, if somehow he has singled us out in this massive, unbelievably large universe. So anyway, I just wanted to share that. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. That's exactly it. You know, to stand in awe of God because of his creation. That he and cares for us, that he cares for us. See, yeah. that's what's amazing. Exactly. Why would he care for us over anything else? But he does. Yeah, exactly. The vastness of creation, like you said, and how we are teeny tiny people on a teeny tiny planet. And yet it says, what is man that you are mindful of him? You know, God has made all these things, but he's also made John. He's also made Matt. He's also made each one of our listeners. And he is mindful of us. He cares for us. He loves us uh, so much, you know, that he sent his son into this world for us. And, and he cares for us enough, Matt, that he knows the very number of hairs on our head. You want to talk yeah. about precision. 
Yeah, yeah. The very God who made so many stars, there's more than the sand of the sea, is also God who, who wants to keep track of our hair. And it's a hard work for me because it's changing every day. <laughs> oh, yeah, what a, yeah, you and me both, John. But, you know, he knows when a sparrow falls out of the sky. <laughs> How much yeah. more does he care for? For us, right? He clothes the lilies of the field. You know how much more does he care for us? That's just incredible. And and how can God be mindful of all those things at one time? I don't know, but he's God, <laughs> and he can. Uh, so thanks be to God for that. So and, so, and that's yeah, the point, Matt. You're right. We couldn't do that, and that's the whole point. This is God. And and anytime you oh well okay. I'll save that for because we're not going to get done with this, Matt. In fact, we have to stop now. We're already over time. This has been Wrestling with the Basics. Many church workers always knew they wanted to serve in Christ's church, but for some, the passion to become a pastor, teacher, deaconess, or other full-time church worker came later in life. Leaving a career to pursue this life of service is not without challenges, yet these are sacred and joyous vocations unlike any other. Set apart to serve, the Church Work Recruitment Initiative of the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate is here to help. Visit kfuo.org SAS to learn how you can put your experience and skills to work through full-time service in Christ's church. That's kfuo.org SAS.